back again with another terrible podcast. Deary, deary me, the weather is absolutely fucking atrocious. Um, I'm recording again from the driver's seat of my van. Um, so hopefully the acoustics will be okay because um, we have the added addition of heavy rainfall um, hitting the windscreen and roof, um, which either, will either be a, a hindrance to the sound quality or it'll be a nice form of ASMR um, as, as the kids put it these days um, people make a career out of making those ASMR videos which uh, I was born in the wrong generation as everyone says um, as this generation will say in 10-15 years time uh, when some other new crazy fangled way of making money uh, comes around um, I'm getting off topic but what I'm thinking about I just noticed um, on RTE news the other day they announced that some university I think it's somewhere I don't know somewhere in Ireland is uh, admittedly it was a clickbaity um, title it was like a universe or a college university wherever it was in Ireland is the first to offer a degree in uh, influencing quote unquote now the degree is called something like uh, degree in social media something 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 it doesn't say influencing in the title but it is even they were quoted as or one of the professors was quoted as saying you know there's a there's a there's a career in being an influencer now and blah blah blah, blah. anyway completely off topic that means nothing to a, a car related podcast um, I'm keeping up the uh, you know the, the the consistent poor quality um, by making absolutely no sense in the first in the, in the opening minutes um, in the car world well I, ha- I have to start off with um, something that just, uh, something I've rambled up before and something that's not new to any of us uh, motoring enthusiasts um, but it's just something that really affected me the other morning um, lane etiquette on motorways um, which as I've said before I can't blame entirely blame uh, drivers for not understanding how motorways work because you're never actually given any formal training into how they work. You, you pass your test. You're not allowed on them on a motorway technically until you pass your test, and then you pass your test. And you're like, go, go at 120 kilometers an hour. Um, you know, on these multi-lane roads without any formal training. Excuse me, burping again as usual. Um, but anyway, I was, I was going to work the other morning, and I was in the, the, the lane three, as you put, as, as you would put it. Um, simply because I was going at um, the speed limit plus 10% because um, I'm, you know, I'm on my way to work um, which is generally you know leave it to the last minute to get there on time um, so I'm in I'm in lane 3 because people are dawdling in the middle lane which they shouldn't be doing and then someone coming up towards my exit I was like oh. so I had to pull in behind a row of 5 cars who were dawdling in the middle lane but then because they were dawdling I couldn't cut into the into into lane one and um, to take my exit because one there was a there was a semi a semi truck um, coming up a semi it's very American way of putting it but an articulated truck coming up in lane one and he was going quicker than the traffic in lane three and I certainly wasn't going to cut up a, 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 an Arctic lorry um, one because it's dangerous and two I can understand the frustration of that happening. Um, now I had my indicator on he could have backed off a bit and let me in but he didn't and um, so because of the people in the middle lane I missed my fucking exit going to work one morning 
I wasn't in a particularly good mood anyway because it was a shitty morning and it was a Monday and I was going to work early in the morning and that just fucking riled me up even further um, so there needs to be some I, I might have to make an instructional video um, for how motorways work because a lot of people just don't seem to understand how they, how, how they operate um, again I'm not going to put entirely put blame on the general public I will put a bit of blame because like, people like myself and um, plenty of other people I know who are into driving have an understanding of how motorways work without ever, ever being given formal training um, but at the end of the day if, if you know if, if it's a licensed tested um, what's the word uh, ability or is that the correct, way, correct turn of phrase you, know, you have to be licensed and tested to drive so why you know we have we have to learn how to drive within an urban environment why is why is motorway driving um just completely exempt but yeah you have to have the license before you can go onto the motorway if you, it's all very confusing anyway i'm sure i i did not um i did not communicate that um very eloquently but i'm sure you know what i was getting at anyway enough of a rant there to begin with uh what else did i do in my motoring motoring week not a whole lot um in my local area um the other morning I was driving along and um, parked outside my, my former primary school and um, was a Volvo S40 um, the, the second generation or the whatever the last generation of the Volvo S40 was that, that era um, and I, was, I came up I was coming behind it it was parked up on the side of the road in, in one of the parking bays along the road there near the school and um, I don't know at what point I was cut off there I got a phone call in the middle of the recording which I assume cuts off the recording um, what was I talking about before I got interrupted by rudely by a phone call. Um, something to do. Oh yeah, Volvo S40. So uh, whatever point I was cut off at, Volvo S40 parked outside my old primary school in a parking bay. And as I came up behind it, rather large dent in the boot. I was like, hmm, that's that's not great. And as I pulled up alongside, all the driver's side windows were smashed. And then when I got to the front, um, the whole front end had melted off um, due to an engine fire. Um, so my speculation is. Um, it was it was stolen, joyridden, and excessive abuse um, caused an engine fire of some sorts, and then the whole front end melted off. But it was quite conveniently parked, um, so maybe it was just some sort of actual mechanical um, or electronic fault which caused an engine bay fire, um, and the windows may have been smashed subsequently by ruffian youths um, as it was as it was a. Uh, as it was abandoned on the side of the road. Um, I will post pictures of said car um, on the Instagrams. Um, car underscore no sore, C-A-U-R underscore N-O-S-A-U-R. But again, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably already follow me. But anyway, I will post those pictures because um, it's quite a dramatic-looking scene um, and not an unfamiliar sight around where I live, um, to be honest. I used to, Back in my Facebook days, I've been on Facebook in pretty well over a decade but back in my Facebook days I did used to have a, uh, a photo album not that's the thing on Facebook but a photo album just of uh, burnt out or smashed up joy ridden cars that I would stumble across in my local area um, but there you go there's a, there's a piece of history you didn't need to know about um, did I see much good car stuff it's been a quite a boring car week in both my life and in the world to be honest with you so hopefully it's, hopefully it's you this will be a short enough podcast um, I let, I saw a a Maserati by Turbo Spider, and um, just to, just to 
yesterday. Um, I saw a C63 AMG saloon, the, uh, I'm not sure, a W2, I don't know what the W um, number is for it, but the, uh, the one with the, the, the 6.2 V8, NAV8, that generation, the best generation. Um, I also saw a, a B5.5 uh, Passat Estate, which is a great car, um, as, as others have posited in the, in the past. Um, the B5.5 Passat is probably the 21st century equivalent to the W124 Mercedes. Um, and I would I would somewhat agree with that. Um, a strong, dependable car, especially with the with the LPD diesel, which is which the one I saw had a PD uh, 1.9 PD TDI um, estate, as I said. But it was a four motion, um, which you don't see many of. Um, and I have a, a quite a soft spot for them because a mate of mine has one, and he's had it for he's had it for geez, when did he buy? He bought it in 2008, so he's had it for is that 15 years? Christ. Um, he bought it on eBay, um, uh, and at the time, it's 2003, so it would have been a, well, only a five-year-old car. Um, he bought it from, I think he got a small inheritance from his, uh, his grandmother passing away, so he decided to spurge on a four-wheel drive Sat estate. Um, he has it on coilovers, though, so he's parked up actually for the last few years, because he currently has an, uh, an Audi RS4 event, um, B7, with the 4.2 V8. Um, and it's, yeah, it's been parked up, um, when you parked it up, it had 235,000 miles on it, um, and there was, there was you know, the usual rust spots on the arches and the tailgate creeping in, and it didn't need, it didn't need a bit of TLC when it was parked up, and it was parked up for a couple, two, three years. Um, he really must get it back on the road. Um, so I sent him the pictures of that one I saw today, which hopefully will give him some motivation um, to, to sort it out, because it's a great car. I, we, me and him drove it around Europe one summer, um, and took in lots of cities, took in Le Mans, um, back in 2013 um, he's driven it to the Arctic Circle uh, and like yeah so when he bought it it had 60 odd thousand miles and I say now it's got 235 um, so you know it's certainly it's got plenty of stories to tell and um, great cars um, I don't think I really saw anything particularly exciting other than that um, no nothing I can think of um, it was my birthday at the weekend um, not that anyone cares about that really uh, but uh, as I mentioned, I think in the previous podcast, I went to the National on the Thursday. My birthday was on the Sunday. I um, went to the National on the Thursday, which was great. Rain's getting very heavy now, as I'm sure you can hear. Um, great concert. They played for like two and a half hours, um, and they're really on form. Absolutely spectacular. Um, and then I went to the went to the Boozer, the Ball Tower, which I've never been to, the Ball Tower in Churchtown. Um, pretty cool pub, to be honest with you. Um, to watch the rugby with a few mates. Um, I had a feed full of points. Match was great, I'm sure, but you all watched it. Um, rugby being one of those games where if it's a, if it's a close, close, close low, low scoring game, usually means it's a pretty, a pretty intense affair, um, as it was. Um, we were lucky, I think, at points. Um, their kicking game wasn't great. They missed a good few uh, drop kicks, if that's what they're called. I'm not a sports person. Um, but also our lineouts, especially in the first half, really let us down. So. Yeah, probably the most difficult, maybe the most difficult game we have all all World Cup, um, uh, unless we meet South Africa again in the final, which isn't impossible. Um, and if that's the case, I think they'll be gunning for blood us having beat them first time round. Um, but anyway, yeah. So, what, so yeah, it was my birthday weekend. So on the Sunday, 
uh, hungover as I was, I decided to treat myself to some uh, a large amount of sushi. And when I went to go pick it up, I got into my mother's micro. Um, and as soon as I turned on the ignition, now I must have programmed this in at some point, but I turned on the ignition, and uh, you may have seen this on my Instagram, but um, a little graphic on the, on the central display uh, came up of a, of a birthday cake, and it wished me happy birthday. Um, which is both sad and nice, all wrapped in one. Um, yeah, so that's really been my motoring week. Nothing pretty particularly spectacular. Um, what's been going on in the world of the car? Journos uh, um, have finally got their hands. Well, I say finally. It was only announced not so long ago. But Journos um, got their hands on the 911, uh, 911 ST. Would you call it the GT3 ST? Because it is built by the GT department. I don't think it's officially called the GT3 anyway. 911 ST. It's this, the new, since the 997 generation, there's been always been a cherry on the cake of the 911 range. We obviously had the, the, the four liter RS in the 997. Then the 991, there was the OR, which evolved essentially into the Touring. Um, and then this, now we have the, the ST. Um, that's a quick rundown, if you're not obviously already aware. It's it's a GT3 touring body, essentially. Um, but with lightweight components, the, the, with the RS engine, um, manual gearbox only, um, stuff like, it doesn't have the active rear wheel steer to make it much lighter. Anyway, long and short of it, it's the lightest, most powerful 911 ever. That's probably true. Um, and anyway, I watched and read a few a few different videos and articles on those who have driven it. And shock horror, it's amazing. Um, I don't think any of us had that in question. Um, very expensive. Would, would, would I have one? Well, it's a silly thing to possibly because one I never will. Um, if I had the cash and if my Porsche dealer was, uh, I was close enough to my Porsche dealer to be offered one. Um, I'd obviously have one because it's, you know, it's unicorn status alone, make it a special thing. But um, I wonder, uh, Matt Pryor's video I watched because he he uh, he did, um, for some Porsche brought along a 911, a 992 Touring um, to the test, which seems odd um, to compare it against. But um, he did say it's it's a, it's a much nicer riding car, and um, the ST um, than. Uh, than the Touring, the 992 Touring. But then a lot of people say that the 992 Touring, because they didn't, the 992 Touring has the same spring and damper rates as the GT3 RS, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, or sorry, as the, as the standard GT3. Um, even though it doesn't have all the aero. And um, Whereas like on the 991, I believe the Touring had much softer spring and damper rates to go with the Touring remit. Um, and apparently, so... Um, apparently the 991 Touring is the nicer car um, I think Chris Harris highlighted that quite clearly because um, he had two of them at the same time and he sold the 992 and kept the 991 now that might also be because I think prices long term of 991s will be stronger because they were built in lower numbers if I'm not mistaken um, but anyway long short of saying it would I have would, would a, a 911, a 992 ST be much better of a car than a 991 Touring? It's a, it's an experiment I would like to find out, but I never will. Um, 
because I don't think I'll ever be in a, in a position to own either of those cars. Anyway, 911 STs, you know, don't need to take my word for it, look up people who are much better and better qualified because um, they've actually driven the car and they do this kind of stuff for a living and um, will give you a better impression of what the car is like. Uh, rambling again as normal. Um, what else has happened? Um, you see that Nissan um, design concept um, EV thing? Uh, it's, it's essentially it's a Nissan version of the Alpine beta thing, electric hatch, hot hatch thing that Alpine brought out there a couple of months ago. Because um, obviously Nissan, Alpine, Renault, it's all the same thing. So this is just it's the same car underneath, uh, already powered. Uh, electric hatchback which when it goes into production will be much much more toned down um, but as a design concept yeah, it's a funky looking thing it's called the 20-23 um, I assume it's because it was launched in 2023 um, yeah funky looking thing um, as like scissor doors uh, which yeah you know can we really get excited about these electric hatchbacks I, I struggle I struggle to care, um, but who know? Who knows? Um, there are very well-paid engineers out there whose job it is to make these things exciting, and um, so we will buy them. Um, but me being a ludite, I, I I struggle to care. Uh, the GR Yaris is due a facelift soon, and apparently it's going to have the 300 brake horsepower version of the three-cylinder turbo. That's already in the car but the one that they put in the Corolla GR which we don't get in this part of the world that version of the engine will be put into the facelifted version of the Yaris GR if any of that makes any sense um, so basically the next the facelift GR Yaris is going to have 300 horsepower but also it's been rumoured that's going to be an automatic which is controversial um, because one of the cool things about the current GR Yaris is that it's, a, it's got a cool slick 6 speed manual and um, whether the auto will be an option and you'll still be able to get a manual is yet to become clear, but it's strongly rumored that it might be auto only. Um, only time will tell. Hopefully that's wrong. Um, and then probably one of the most important piece, piece of actual important news um, in the last week was uh, Rishi Sunak, that's the name, and the British PM announced that uh, the UK's ban on internal combustion engines, the sale of internal combustion engine vehicles um, in 2030 is now going to be pushed back to 2035 to bring it in line with the EU. Um, which might not sound like a, a very important piece of news, but um, a lot of right-hand drive car manufacturing um, happens in the UK, and even stuff that doesn't happen in the UK, um, which happens abroad, any any right hand drive market cars um, that come here what I'm trying to say <laughs> in a roundabout way is with the with the with the UK uh, slowing down and then phasing out their their um, their internal combusted engine cars by twenty thirty that essentially means Ireland was gonna have a ban by the end twenty thirty despite us being in the EU because manufacturers were just gonna stop making them because um, they're not going to make them just for Ireland they're, they're, we're too small of a market um, so yeah thankfully they've brought that in line so five years longer for right hand drive internally combusted engine cars 
um, hooray, another 12 years. Well, not even quite 11, it's really at the end of this year. Um, yeah, that's really, as I said, is a slow week in the world of the car. Um, as I promised, as I always promised, this will get better at some point. Um, I probably shouldn't do it while I'm driving because it's kind of distracting. Um, I'm, me being a man, I really can't do two things at once. Um, so F1, Formula One was on at the weekend. Uh, the Japanese Grand Prix. Um, I, I didn't set an alarm because I'd been out drinking, um, but I did wake up at about five minutes to six because uh, the race started at six a.m. Um, and uh, yeah, so I said like, "Fuck it, I'm awake. I'll throw it on." Um, and I was kind of worried that it was, it was a pretty good race. Now Max did run away with it. Um, he won the race by twenty seconds, which in turn meant uh, Red Bull wrapped up the construct- constructors' championship. Um, they're sixth now. Um, and they're second in a row and um, well deserved and um, they built an absolute monster of a car and um, so they absolutely deserve to hold the constructor championship this year um, but yeah like further back through the grid there was lots of great racing um, the Mercedes obviously got quite got a, got quite a test with each other um, uh, Russell got by Hamilton uh, early on uh, out of the final chicane um, but then Hamilton got him back um, going down pit straight and then into turn one um, this despite Hamilton having picking up a bit of damage um, at the start of the race when Perez hit him more on Perez in a moment um, and then they got quite feisty for a few laps um, Hamilton quite aggressive but I don't think he did anything wrong um, he pushed um, uh, Russell wide, uh, wide um, at not, it's not 140 or uh, one of the corners um, I'm so bad with corner names um, and but um, yeah and then like Russell it's very very hard to not dislike him he's very he's very entitled um, giving out on the radio about like are we racing are we racing each other or are we racing the others or whatever the fuck he said um, but yeah Hamilton stood firm Um and to this that and the other with, with them being on different strategies and near the end of the race Russell managed to undercut um, Hamilton due, due to the pit stops um, but then he was holding up Hamilton and the Ferraris were catching up um, so they ordered Russell to let him by again he got really kind of bit moany about um, but it made sense because Hamilton was quicker than him um, and Sainz ended up overtaking Russell um, and he would have got Russell and Hamilton had Hamilton not been let by um, and Hamilton ended up finishing fourth or, no he finished no he was on the podium wasn't he no he wasn't he was fourth fourth or fifth just write this stuff down I'm not turning off the ignition now because I've stopped um, yeah other stuff that happened um, yeah so Perez now Perez clipped Hamilton at the start um, but not really his fault he got squeezed out by Sainz um, so he was kind of pincered but then Perez throughout the race how many people did he clip um, I've actually lost count of, of, the, of the people he he, he, he ran into um, like he lost his front wing, front wing twice I think he hit one of the Haas at one point and one of the Alfa Romeos. Um, 
and eventually got to the point where he got so much damage on his car they decided to retire the car but he'd been given a five second penalty for causing all the collisions so they actually put him back out into the race um, like 13 laps down so he could serve the penalty and not get a penalty um, at the next race instead um, not that it makes much difference because they've sewn up the Constructor Championship without him even scoring any points um, and now it's just the Driver Championship um, and going into that it's going to be we're going into the next race which is in Qatar and Max could could um, could could sew that up um, in the sprint race because it's going to be a sprint race in Qatar um, if he finishes first and if Prez is third or lower I think in the in the sprint race um, I think this person wants to get into their driveway so I'm going to move um, so yeah um, so yeah so like Perez really in, in the early part of the season obviously he, he certainly had held a head you know, I'm not going to say Max completely won the Constructor Championship single handedly um, but he almost did um, he, he is going to be in the Red Bull next year so it's pretty much been confirmed Um yeah, he is contracted, but you know contracts aren't worth shit in Formula One, especially at Red Bull. But um, he really would be worried because um, Liam Lawson, who's been the super sub for Daniel Ricciardo, and it looks like he's going to be in Qatar now as well. So he, I think he'll have done at least four races, four or five races, four races um, before Daniel comes back. Um, and yeah, like Lawson's done really well. Um, and then like Daniel Rick looked like he was he still had it um, in the very brief amount of time we got to see um, before he fucking broke his wrist um, but yeah I think so like the only seat that is potentially open for Lawson is is the second Williams seat which again they haven't said they're going to drop Sergeant but he's been very he had a very messy weekend this weekend he Sergeant put it into the wall in qualifying in Q1, um, which was bad. And then he he hit, again, he hit a couple of people in the race, but the most noticeably he he tagged uh, Bottas by locking up and just driving into the side of him. Um, time is running out for Sergeant to have that moment where he gets to prove himself because he hasn't really yet. Um, people were giving him the benefit of the doubt there for a while, but. Yeah, the clock is ticking. Um, but that would be the only real door open to Lawson. And Christian Horner, um, he wasn't even asked, you know, will Lawson, you know, can you come to an agreement with Williams to put Lawson into, William, it, it, you know, or sorry, do you, do you have anywhere that a lean can go in the grid next season? Um, and no one mentioned the word Williams, but then Horner's response was, well, I think the only seat available will be the second Williams seat. And he was like, I don't think Williams want to take a driver for a year. So, long story short, what I think is going to happen there is... Lawson will be test reserve driver for Red Bull Alphatari next year um, with a very with a, with a clause in his contract that if he does that he very much will be um, the race driver um, for one of the teams in 2025 um, so it'll be Danny Rick and Yuki which is confirmed actually um, at, at Alphatari for, for 2024 um, and Perez and Max obviously in Red Bull but I think if Perez isn't performing, and even if Danny or Yuki aren't performing by midway through next season, Lawson will be in to replace one of them. Um, the way I see it, probably how it will pan out, is if Perez continues the form he's been on recently against Max, 
they'll put Danny in unless Danny has an absolute hopeless return. Danny in beside him because I think they'll work well as teammates. Um, as they have, like you know, they know each other pretty well. Um, I think at this point, Danny would be, you know, he'd, he'd be happy to play number two, a good number two, and take any spoils should Max not be performing at Red Bull. They'll put Danny in, and then they'll put Liam in into the into the into the Alvatari against Yuki because they know how well they're working together, and they already have a, a lot of data as how to benchmark the two of them. Anyway, going completely off topic. That's how I see. And um, what else happened? Uh, the Ferraris did okay. They were they were fourth and fifth, or fourth and sixth, and um, what was it? Fifth and sixth. I really should look up the results. Um, but anyway, the, the main thing is behind Max, it was a double podium for McLaren. McLaren have really been on an ascendancy um, since they brought up brought out that upgraded car from uh, from Austria onwards. Um, a double podium, so first podium for Oscar Piastri, which is great, great news. He's, he's well deserved. He's been he's been nipping at it for a while, and now he's got it, and um, which is great for a rookie driver. He's the real deal, is El Oscar, and Lando um, proving um, proving how, how great he is, um, as always. Um, so yeah, like there's lots of great there's lots of great wheel to wheel racing, um, and it just goes to prove I think Suzuka is just a, such a great track. It's one of those tracks that they they, they can't they they flooked, they took it off the calendar there for. Or, or was it they rotated they rotated between Fuji and Suzuka there for a little while um, Fuji's a great circuit as well but Suzuka's just all the drivers love it there's always great hype around around it and then when you're just watch, watching the cars race um, it's been one of the best wheel to wheel races we've had this season um, since the summer break onwards it's actually been a really good season um, it's just the first half was very much a damp squib um, so hopefully that's um, a good sign as to how things will go next year but probably not Max will just run away with it again from the get-go. Um, anything else from the Formula 1? Oh, yeah, Seb Vettel was at um, Suzuka. Um, turn 1 was turned into the B Hotel. The, uh, the inside curb was painted black and yellow. Um, and he set up, like, lots of insect hotels with the drivers. He got the, all the rest of the drivers to paint paint the, the insect hotels. And, yeah, he was just there promoting all his biodiversity, blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, he got, he got asked the questions, you know, oh, do you miss it? Are you coming back? He said, obviously, being here, I do miss not being in the car. Um, he always said never say never, but I can't see I can't see Seb coming back to Formula One unless for some reason Daddy Stroll kicks um, Lance out of the team, which he probably should because he's the reason Aston Martin are currently now lying in fourth, although they're having a pretty bad second half of the season. But the main reason they're fourth now in the Constructors Championship is because Alonso's been fighting the challenge there single handedly. Um, so unless yeah, Daddy Stroll has to kick Lance out of the team um, and bring Seb in. Um, you know, to sit in, sit in beside uh, Fernando. Um, I, I can't see Seb coming back. He, you know, he, he's still young enough compared to some of his peers to come back, but the clock is ticking. Um, the rumor I heard is that he's possibly going to be in the um, the the Porsche uh, hypercar um, in WEC next year, um, possibly just for Le Mans, um, but maybe he'll do a full season. And that'll be interesting. That'll be good to see. Um, but yeah, so the next race is in Qatar. It's a sprint weekend. And Max could wrap up the, the driver championship in the sprint race. Um, if he doesn't do it in the sprint race, he absolutely will do it in the main race. It'll take some sort of catastrophe on his end for him not to wrap it up in Qatar. Um, but I'm pretty sure he will. Um, as I said, it's going to take an absolute mindfuck for him not to do it. He has to score... He only has to score, I think, three, three or four points more than Perez all weekend uh, to, to finish it. 
Um, and well deserved. Um, absolutely well deserved. Him and Red Bull have absolutely run away with the championship. Um, but Qatar next. It's not this weekend. It's the weekend after. Um, and then we have... It's that. Austin. Mexico. Brazil. Vegas. And then Abu Dhabi, I think, for the rest of the year. Um, so I'll start wrapping up this now. Because again, it's been terrible as ever. Um, and I've been running for... What's the clock ticking at at the moment? I've been recording for uh, 33 minutes. So I haven't been rambling for too long. Um, so I'll finish up with my normal stuff. Um, my classified find of the week, um, up on done deal. So you'll find this fairly easily. Um, an Audi 100 Avant. Um, it's not a Quattro. Um, it, it's a 2 litre front wheel drive manual Audi 100 Avant. Um, doesn't say if it has an entity or anything. And the, the, the pictures are terrible. It's almost like someone has their finger just above the lens. And they have the... Wide angle lens on unnecessary use of the wide angle lens. Something that really, really annoys me. Um, but it's it looks what I can tell from the picture. It looks like it's in very good good condition. They say it is in the ad as well. It's in Dublin. Um, Two seven five zero. Um, that's not bad for a classic Audi and a classic Audi estate, which is uh, the way to do it. Um, I don't have a song um, recommendation this week, but I'm going to recommend if you don't already listen to the Beyond the Grid F1 podcast. Um, you should it's, it's, it's very good it gets great guests um, but Adrian Newey's on it this week and uh, it's a very very good interview um, he's, he's quite open um, and truthful about his past present and future um, great listen to an absolute legend of sport he is if you were a draw uh, he is the most successful person uh, in F1 history if that makes any sense because um, uh, he has the most race wins and championship titles um, than anyone else in the sports history um, and then, sorry, that's not that. Instead of a YouTube recommendation, I'm going to give you that um, as podcast. I do have a song uh, recommendation. It's by a band called the Viagra Boys. Um, all their music is great. They're this crazy Swedish um, rock band. Um, but the song I'm going to recommend is called Troglodyte because it's their most recent single. Um, so check that out. They're they're a very cool band. So I'll wrap this up now because um, it's been terrible as ever. Um, if you have been listening, as always, I love you. And until next time, be safe, be well. I'll talk to you again soon.